our scripture this morning. We continue in the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 14, and we will go verses 41 through 52 this morning. Again, that's Mark chapter 14, 41 through 52. If you didn't bring a Bible with you and you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 1012. Let us now hear from God's word. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him and at once said, Rabbi! And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple, teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is that night that night we talk about when we gather at the communion table on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed. This is the betrayal part of that night. Jesus has been in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Peter and James and John, they've gone with him, and he's asked them to stay awake. And, and, and we catch up with them here, and for a third time, they've fallen asleep. And Jesus says, never mind, it's time to go. The hour has come. My betrayer is at hand. And while Jesus was still talking, in walks Judas. Judas Iscariot, to be exact. One of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 disciples, someone who's followed Jesus and been with the other disciples for three years in ministry. See, Judas was a once a common name. And now it's a name we hear only here within scripture. We don't even name animals with that name anymore. It's because what Judas did in betraying Jesus captures our attention unlike any other. Because we sit here and we hear the story of Judas betraying Jesus and we think, we believe 
we would never do that. That is one thing we can say we definitely wouldn't do. We might agree with some Pharisees and Sadducees and, and some overreaction and misunderstandings of other disciples along the way, but betraying Jesus, oh, that one is way too far beyond us. It's right there with Paul when he's going around and persecuting Christians and trying to have them killed. We wouldn't, those are the two things in the Bible that we find ourselves, uh, that, that's a bit outside of ourselves. Then we really have to ask ourselves, is it? Because God knew at the foundation of the world about Judas. Jesus too knew at the foundation of the world, and Jesus also knew when he chose Judas Iscariot to be one of the twelve, exactly who he was and what he would do. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 70, we are told this, that Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. A devil. This is Jesus' word describing Judas. One of you is a devil. Earlier in Mark, when we have them all gathered around the table celebrating that Passover feast, it's Jesus who says, and one of you who also dips your bread in the same dish that I dip in will betray me. And then he says, it would be better if that man had not been born. When we search scriptures in the gospel accounts, Jesus has no nice words about Judas. A devil. For Judas was a snake. He thought he had everybody fooled. He thought he had the wool pulled over everyone's eyes, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew all along who Judas was and what Judas would do. Now, the other disciples were unaware, but they knew something was off with Judas. They knew he was a bit immoral, and, and they themselves didn't picture themselves as pillars of perfection. But John writes in his gospel account, this is the Apostle John, one of the twelve, he writes in his gospel account, that Judas was a thief. Judas was a thief. Jesus describes him as a devil, says it's better if he's not born, and John lets us know that he is a thief. Judas Iscariot is the one who carries the money bag around for the disciples. For three years of ministry, they trusted Judas, they trusted Judas with their financial well-being. And Judas is here pilfering from them, skimming off the top, taking a little extra for himself, storing it away. Which is why then when the woman comes to Jesus and pours out an entire bottle of pure nard perfume, it's Judas who gets upset. It's Judas who says, that was worth 300 denarii. You could have sold that, given it to the poor. And in parentheses, his own thinking, because he's a thief, I could have kept some for myself. A lot for myself. See, Jesus 
lost out on that. Not Jesus, Judas. Judas lost out on that year. And that was his final straw, we see within Scripture. For it was after that, that after three years of ministry with Jesus, of being with Jesus, of being with the disciples, he was done faking. See, that's just the thing. Jesus knew he was a snake. Jesus knew from the beginnings his heart. Jesus knew exactly what Judas Iscariot would go on to do. And yet Judas thought he had everyone fooled, including the Son of God himself. But he was all in on this. For three years, he walked around and witnessed the miracles, the signs, the wonders. For three years, he went out with the other disciples in groups of two and performed miracles themselves. For three years, he watched Jesus teach and listen to him in public and in the private teaching. For three years, he saw Jesus go off to pray and be by himself. For three years, Judas witnessed Jesus walking on water. And yet, not once, did he actually believe Jesus was the Savior, let alone his Lord? And so he went off. He went off to find the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees to, to make the plan, to, to drum up the deal. And, and there it was. He sold Jesus as he was selling a slave for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. See, for three years in this ministry, Judas looked and acted like a friend of Jesus's. And he had everyone fooled. Nobody was the wiser to Judas. And so it was when, Judas, when Jesus announced that one of them would betray him. It wasn't that all of the disciples turned and looked at Judas and said, well, when's it going to happen, buddy? That's not what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us that when Jesus announced, one of you will betray me, and it's one who also dips the bread in the same dish that I dip my bread, they all questioned themselves, is it I, Lord? They had no idea. devil fooled all of them. That's why when Judas shows up and they're being, being seized and arrested, and Jesus being seized and arrested, in, in Mark he says, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. In the other gospel accounts he quotes the psalmist from Psalm 41.9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Judas played the part. He was playing the part of a Christ follower. He found that Jesus wasn't his Lord and Savior, but he was really convinced of it. Jesus is just convenient for Judas. Just convenient enough for a way for him to make money. It was, a, it was a profit scheme for him. And the sad thing is, 
others still today use Jesus just like Judas. Not because he's their Lord and Savior, but they use Jesus as a get-rich-quick scheme. We know it as the prosperity gospel. False teachers such as Joel Olstein, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Robert Morris. The list goes on. And I encourage you to be aware of who they are. Most times you can find them on TV. It's a dangerous place being put on TV. And so there's a documentary out there called American Gospel Christ Alone. I encourage you to watch it here sometime in the near future. We'll watch it here at a church together. Uh, but you're welcome to go do that. They, they point a huge spotlight on the prosperity gospel and make it clear. And I believe that every one of those prosperity gospel preachers come from the long line of Judas. That Jesus is just merely a convenient way of making money. And doing so at the expense of people who are honestly serving. We see that night in the garden, in the darkness that was that night, Judas left the meal and went and rounded up a cohort of Roman soldiers, which is 600 Roman soldiers. He brings 600 Roman soldiers wielding swords. And then he goes to the temple guard and gets permission from the chief priests and, and others to bring the temple guards who come wielding clubs come and arrest Jesus in the darkness and the quietness of night. And so when Judas comes to see Jesus in the scriptures, he appears excited as if he's seeing a good friend that he hasn't seen in a long time. Rabbi! And he walks up to him. And as he told them was the plan, he gave Jesus, a kiss. Not a kiss out of friendship. Not a kiss to uplift. But a devilish kiss. Filled with hatred. And it's in this moment, right here, in that very moment, Satan thinks he knows. That moment, Satan thinks he wins. He has finally shut down Jesus. He's taken Jesus down. It's done with him. So Jesus would be taken away. We wonder what this young naked man has to do with any of this. And, and there's no name given. And so we could surmise and we have good guesses, but we have nothing definitive because the Bible doesn't tell us. But what it does illustrate is not only did the apostles, the disciples, scatter away from Jesus, but anyone who was trying to be near him upon his arrest also flew away. Jesus was now on the run. So now, the man, Judas, who never believed really in Jesus, who stole from the money, who also had his feet washed by Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Before he goes to the Passover meal, Jesus washes all the disciples' feet, including Judas. 
And so when Jesus begins lecturing us on loving our enemies, hold that thought in your head. He washes his hands. It is as if Judas was possessed by the devil himself. But the truth is, when we look at Judas and we say, we could never do that, and we examine a little closer, we see that what happened to Judas is that he began sinning just a little, maybe just a small bit. I'll take one small cleanse. It's not a big deal. It won't be missed. There's a lot of us in here who have not done that. It happens to us too, doesn't it? Find some small sin, something small in our life, and we begin to excuse it. Say, oh, it's just, it's just this little thing. It's nothing big. It's nothing much. So we leave the sin itself unaddressed, believing we don't need to repent from it. It's not that bad that we have to fully turn, confess, and go back to Jesus, is it? But the fact remains is that what happens next is the next little sin that's a little bit more than the last one doesn't feel that far of a stretch. So what happened to Judas is he kept compromising by sinning sinning a little bit more and sinning a little bit more. Till when it comes, it's time for the devil to tell him to go and betray Jesus. It is not a giant leap. It wasn't a giant leap for Judas to go to the chief priests and the scribes and say, 30 pieces of silver, sure, that sounds perfect. That's just enough to sell Jesus out. The devil owned Judas. He tries to own us too. He's, he's the one whispering in our ear, it's just a little minor thing. You don't need to repent from that. You don't need to turn back from this. You don't need to tell him about that. You don't need forgiveness from that. It's a, it's a little thing. It's a minor thing. See, he also tried to tempt Jesus too. When Christ was in the wilderness for 40 days, Satan goes and attempts to get Jesus. Say, you can have everything that you see before you. It can all be yours. He's looking for a way to not only trip up Jesus, but anyone else in the room. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, For those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans in chapter 8, he tells us that we have been given the Holy Spirit to dwell within our hearts. This is good news, folks, that we have been given God's very Spirit to dwell within our hearts and that we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And what that power allows us to do is put sin to death in our lives that that little sin that we feel we might be compromising a little bit on, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to stop and to turn back towards Jesus. That's his gift to us. We don't have to go it alone. It's not based on our own willpower and our own ability to do something, but it's resting in the power of God to turn us around, back to him. To resist the temptation. 
And so after the frenzy of the night of betrayal, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, he tells us a bit more about Judas. We next see Judas, and he's sorry. He's sorry for what he did. He realized he handed over an innocent man to be killed. He wasn't sorry because he committed grand treason against the Son of God. He was sorry because an innocent man would now die. And he felt bad. And he tried to go to the Jewish leaders and give the money back. You know what they said? We don't care. We don't care. That sounds like a you problem. And it was. It was a problem for Judas. He would take the 30 pieces of silver and throw into the temple there in Jerusalem. And then he would go and hang himself on a tree. In fact, that day, both Judas and Jesus would go to hang on trees. And scripture tells us in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, in the law there in chapter 21, we're told that a criminal who commits a crime that's punishable by death is to be hung from a tree and that a hanged man is cursed by God. Which leads Paul to write in Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And that day, two men die in the streets. But sister and brother, behold the glory of Christ. Innocent, blameless, sinless, hanging on the tree, undertaking the punishment of eternal judgment for sinful, rebellious people so that we may have eternal life. But in Jesus, in Jesus alone, there is life everlasting. Pastor John Piper has said that our treason, our sin, was his agony. So that his glory would become our treasure. 